0: This is for the Rasa.
1: This is for the Rasa. Rasa, Rasa, Rasa. This is for the Rasa. This is Reformed Rasa. What up, what up, everybody? This is Pastor Vic, alongside with my co-hosts,
2: Martin V. Firme
1: and this is justin Corona. and so today we're gonna hit a really heavy heavy episode really heavy topic and so what's the topic
2: for the sh- today guys well before that don't forget to like us on facebook follow us on instagram hit us up with any questions comments concerns or rebukes at reformrace.gmail.com and don't forget to um that every monday night pastor Vic is going live on ig for those uh Uh, Bible studies on the book of John And uh, if you're still in quarantine And you're not going to church Don't forget to follow Streetlight Church On Facebook and Instagram uh, For services on on Fridays at 7 Sundays at 12pm And yeah man And if you're a Spanish speaker it's Luz de la Calle Oh yeah If you speak Spanish Luz de la Calle con Pastor Benito Peña on Facebook, he's not on the gram right now because he's old school like that, you know what I mean?
3: You <laughs> can only reach him by letters. Letters <laughs> in the bottle.
2: Yeah, man. So like how Victor was saying before I rudely interrupted him. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs> <laughs> so today is a heavy topic. What topic are we getting into today?
2: The sovereignty <laughs> of God. And if you uh and are uh, if you if you uh answered the questions on instagram i want to thank you because there's a lot of people that that answer the questions and a lot of people that hit me away never mind it's a yes oh never mind it's a no <laughs> i try to word them in a way that you got to think about it you know what i mean that you gotta that you gotta kind of like oh wait uh i don't know a couple people uh, skipped the questions and they went to the other one I see that I we see, see that, all we see that. I see, see all everything. things
3: <laughs> we see that you even saw it and even <laughs> choose to answer it I know hey half of y'all
2: didn't even answer bro what's up <laughs> right? no yeah so yeah so so the people also we asked you know what kind of questions do you have on sovereignty and uh you know some people put in their their questions everyone who posted a question your questions would be answered Are going to be answered Throughout the series So this is not just going to be A one time episode Because this doctrine This teaching is too big For just one episode Yeah And if we were trying to do it Oh man we'll be here for like three hours A three hour episode You know what I mean So we're going to try to break it down So that people can Can grasp it And I think that This doctrine of The sovereignty of God Election Predestination is a conversation honestly that most churches would not rather have but since it is a biblical topic we must talk about it especially in the Hispanic Chicano Christian churches we don't really hear this or so we try to shy away from it or or try to say oh it's too deep or you know we can't really know yes We can know because the the Bible describes it And we can talk about the sovereignty of God We can talk about election We can talk about predestination And still be able to love the lost And to love our fellow brothers and sisters Amen So I want to put that out there In case anyone is kind of like Mm. You know already getting hyped up You know
3: (laughs) Take time and listen to the episode Brother And then also too I would like to put out a little disclaimer too some of the things that um, that we will mention in this series will um, be our, I guess, um, perspective. Not yeah, our our perspective, but personal conviction. Personal conviction and and a lot of uh, not a lot, but some of the things that we will mention will um, not be in line with what our congregation does not, does not necessarily
2: yeah. reflect the beliefs of our congregation. Yes
3: so just put that out there disclaimer a little disclaimer. disclaimer and then also too um as we are gonna trick through sovereign sovereignty um just remember grow as we grow bear with us uh, i mean a lot of this stuff we are still you know you know trying to tread through some of these issues as well um not issues some of these um topics. teachings topics doctrine um, yeah I mean this is a this is a big topic and so we're gonna try to go through it with you guys and um, yeah hopefully all of us will um, be able to be edified by this and may the Lord have mercy on our
2: souls <laughs> <laughs> Not yeah because it, uh, when it comes to the sovereignty of God it's uh, we have to get this right because um, everybody I don't know one Christian that wouldn't say that God is not in control unless you're Todd white he say, <laughs> who
1: told you that God is in control <laughs> Oh! Todd White, one of his followers. away. <laughs> Who told you guys in control?
2: <laughs> the Bible. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. so uh, other than that person, um, I don't know any Christian that wouldn't say that God is in control. Yeah. But to say that God is sovereign, now that's a word you really don't hear much, in in well the circles that we we know. Um, Sovereignty is supreme control. As a matter of fact, supreme authority so, over heaven and earth. As a matter of fact, let's go to the Baker Compact Dictionary of Theological Terms. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, according to this dictionary, sovereignty says a divine attribute of being all powerful as king and lord who exercises supreme rule over all creations examples include number one the divine decree regarding creation providence redemption and consummation number two the infallible uh, meticulous outworking of that plan in each and every aspect of it number three the sure salvation of genuine christians how divine sovereignty and human freedom and responsibility can be held together is a perennial i don't even know if i said that right perennial question two common proposals are compatibilism and incompatibilism the issue of how god who is all good can exercise his sovereignty while sin and tragedy abound raises the perplexing Problem of evil, and so uh, see also compatibilism decree evil, the problem of incomp 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 miracle and providence. Okay, so yeah, so that's a that's a heavy, <laughs> that's one of like the biggest uh, definitions right here, but yeah so a lot of questions arise so the main question that everybody wants to ask does man have free will how does God exercise supreme authority over all creation working out his plans and decree while man uh, being while man is able to choose or not to choose um, did God create sin? Did God create sin? You know, I mean, all these questions that come up. You know, does does God ordain evil? Then,
3: does He predestine does people? Does He predestine
2: people to hell? All these questions we're gonna attempt to answer. And I said, like I said, may God have mercy on our souls because it is a tough issue. And we're going to do our best within our what we have understood from the word of God and try to describe it to you so that you may be edified as well. So now that we have established what sovereignty is, um, I would like to go to Genesis 15. um, First of all, And, and just, you know. This is only the, the this topic of, uh, of election sovereignty Is the only, I think, rightful path to go After we've done justification by faith uh, Adoption Can you lose your salvation? Uh, glorification Because even in uh, Romans uh, 8 830 said And these whom he predestined He also called And these whom he called He also justified And these whom he justified, he also glorified. So all this works together within the like how uh, Justin would put it, the the four pillars of the foundational doctrines of the faith. It's only right that we hit this topic after uh, glorification, because I believe that the backbone to these doctrines is the sovereignty of God. How God is orchestrating all things according to his good plan and his, his good will yeah. so I would turn to Genesis 15 12 and I believe um, that that's where we're going to see I mean we see God's sovereignty all over scripture everywhere but this uh, portion right here of scripture kind of stands out to me uh, the most and this is um, Abram before it was abraham how he takes a nap during the day and god shows him the sufferings of israel that would take place 400 years after him and the word of god says genesis 15:12 says now when the sun was going down a deep sleep fell upon abraham and behold terror and great darkness fell upon him God said to Abram, "Know for certain that you that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years." And so God tells them this is what's going to happen. Your descendants are going to be strangers in a land. They're going to be oppressed for 400 years, and this is uh, this is what's going to go down. Now, I I turn to this portion of scripture Because A question arises Did God Looked into the future And learn what was going to take place And then told Abram Hey this is what's going to happen Did God learn Something From the future Or did God ordain This suffering Of Israel Would you guys have a response to that?
3: He ordained it If we're talking about God's sovereignty Uh We're gonna Obviously come to the, Or not obviously But we Would rightly come to The conclusion that God would have Ordained it I mean everything That we read in scripture You know before The foundations of the earth Before um, Creation We would read that God had already Planned out a person's life Or that he would know um, Certain people Before they were Even created I mean Uh it would only Make sense that He would have Ordained it And not I mean, God, God is, if we believe that God is all-knowing, then then Him, He wouldn't need to look into the future to figure out what would, what's going to happen. He would already know it. Exactly. And in fact, when we fall in line with Samrati, we would then believe that not only does He know the future, but He had ordained it to happen in such a way. Exactly. Um. For me, for, for
1: man, this is one of is one of those questions, right? That's like, it's hard to grasp. Mm-hmm. Then you know it's the sovereignty of God. But then it's hard for you to grasp this this whole this whole thing. Uh, but I would agree with you guys that it was, it was foreordained. It's the only way that God carried out his plan. Because once God decrees, once God says it's going to happen,
2: it's going to happen the way he wants it to
3: happen. Gonna happen. <laughs> it's going to happen.
2: It's going to happen. And so, and so uh, an error that we can make is... Because I've, I've heard this before I've, Trust me, I've heard all arguments Against the sovereignty of God People would say, point to certain Parts of scripture, like When God were hardened Pharaoh's Heart, and you know Even Romans 9, which we're Going to go through that, says that uh, God uh, You know, to make his power Known, he hardened Pharaoh's Heart, so people People would say that, oh. Those are just examples of God worked in that time to that person to bring out a specific plan. But he doesn't work like that today. Then let's not make that error because I've heard that. Let's not take these portions of scripture that tell us how God works and then say, He doesn't work like that today Because God is love And he wishes no one to perish So therefore He he, he just did that back then But he's not doing that now If God is the same Yesterday Today And forevermore This is how he works God is sovereign By nature And if, if Since God is sovereign And if God is not sovereign Then God is not God If there's one molecule out there, something um, going around by its own power, floating around without the control of God, God, then that thing is more powerful than God because God is unable to control this. So let's, let's not make that error because God is all powerful. He is all knowing and he works out his plans and his decrees according to the counsel of his goodwill and his good measure, his good pleasure. All right. So let's not get it twisted in that way. So, so the other question that arises. So, God showed Abram this this suffering of Israel that was going to take place in in the future. So then, everything that men have done to get to that point was it their own will did they act according to their, their own will or were they free to not do what God had already established can man's will distort the plan of God
3: no no <laughs> and so
2: the, the, the next story that I, I would be reminded of then is Joseph right yeah, we know the story that um, Joseph's brothers would hated him because he was a, the favorite of, of Jacob. And so out of their own hatred, out of their own anger towards Joseph, they sold him into slavery. And we know the story, right? He goes, to he goes, he, he, he's put in jail. Then he comes up second in command and he becomes this powerful next to Pharaoh. And then there's a famine in the land. And. Um, His brothers come to him for food And he is able to provide and save his family Because he was sold into slavery Now, Joseph says something very profound In Genesis chapter 50 He says, you meant to free Now let's not get it twisted Because this is probably one of the most twisted scriptures People would say the devil meant it for evil But God meant it for good No, the scripture correctly says that Joseph tells his brothers Although you meant it for evil, God meant it for good. That is a deeply profound statement, especially when it comes to the sovereignty of God. Because out of the brother's own hatred and their own uh, sin, which they were held responsible of, they meant it for evil. They meant to do evil to their brother. That's what they desired to do. And they worked out that plan. But at the same time, this was God's foreordained plan, as we saw in Genesis 15, that, the, that Israel would suffer to work out his plan to save many. And we know that from that, you know, that's how they ended up in Egypt. Now they multiplied in the stage in Egypt, and then time passed, and then the Pharaoh that knew Joseph, they all died, and then they were there in Israel, and then they became enslaved. So out of man's own hatred they act they acted according to their own sin but at the same time it was God's foreordained plan for that to happen
3: so then i <laughs> guess the the one of the main questions is 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 god sovereign completely and and if he is right because when we talk about his sovereignty we're talking about how much is he in control of right mm-hmm because one of the one uh, another definition i was able to find in my bible was that he, that he has supreme authority over heaven and earth supreme being that um that he exercises his power and control according to his will so that everything that happens we know that it was according to his will because it, it would have happened right he doesn't allow things to happen if they're not already in his um, in his will and you know there there's the differences between the permissive the passive and all these other types of wills that god has but nonetheless they're a part of his will another thing is that as god is sovereign there is no external influences upon him in his decisions uh. other than his glory uh, uh, uh. so when when we talk about god being sovereign and how you mentioned right now about joseph's brothers and 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 how he's even mentioning that abraham or abram at the time 400 years what would happen to his people nothing influences god's decisions meaning god didn't see the person i was today and decide to preach the gospel or 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 make a way that i would hear the gospel knowing that i would respond in a way that i would say yes to the gospel right because we know that before the foundation of the earth god already knew before our actions were even set in stone before anything he already knew who he would pick in that sense and and you know that's another and in another episode we're going to talk stay tuned
2: for the second part we're going to hit specifically on election and predestination this episode is more just the sovereignty of god in general how he works now we're going to break it down to election and predestination on part two of this series
3: Yeah. And so, but, but basically saying coming back right now is God being sovereign. If, if God is sovereign, that means he's in control over everything. And that goes even our own decisions Uh now, like how you mentioned his Joseph's brothers were responsible for the decision they made because they, they acted out of their own will. Now, one of the things that I, you know, I'm, I'm gonna recommend to, for anyone to read a book called "Chosen by God" by R.C. Sproul. Um, this whole book is is all about sovereignty and 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 predestination and things like this. But the the, the thing I appreciate about um, R.C. Sproul is the way he um, addresses these points. Um, he addresses it in a way that that. That tackles it from both points of view. He plays out how it would play out if, if we were to say God isn't sovereign. How would God um, run, I guess? How would he exercise authority if he isn't sovereign? If he isn't sovereign, then everything would be a surprise to him, right? Uh-huh. That means that God then, his will is now um, subordinate to the future. What would happen? Meaning that God then would not be all powerful. He wouldn't be all knowing if he isn't if, if he isn't sovereign, that he wouldn't be any of these things. More than that, we wouldn't then be able to place a trust or faith in him for our salvation's sake. If he isn't sovereign because he is sovereign, we're able to do that. Right. Yep. Today, we're able to play place our trust and faith in God because we know he is sovereign and in control of all things. If he isn't, then our faith will be misplaced in and in, in a God that's not sovereign, if that were the case, because if He's not all controlling, if He's if, if He's not not controlling, but if he, if He's not in control of all things, then that mean our salvation would then have a hint that it would not be um what do you call it? It would not be secure as Jesus talks about that no that not a person in His hand would be plucked away. If that makes sense, like how you yeah. mentioned, any rogue molecule out there not under His control would then declare God being not sovereign. Yeah, exactly. And we see this
2: example throughout all scripture of how man exercising uh, his sinful desires, but at the same time, God being sovereign overall. Hmm. And the next example, I'll go to Isaiah chapter 10. Now this, 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 this is pretty deep right here. Watch, because in this portion, Israel is in rebellion against God, And God is going to use the Syrians To execute his judgments on Israel And then he turns around And then punishes Assyria For their actions I said Assyria (laughs) Not Siri Siri get
3: out
2: of this Watch this out dude Uh, Isaiah chapter 10 verse 5 It says Woe to Assyria The rod of my anger the rod of my anger meaning god is going to use assyria as you know like how you know i don't know if people still do this but they're going to spank their child he's about to spank his child and the the assyrians are are, are is god's divine cinturon his divine his divine belt you know what i mean wait say that again cinturon okay come on bro <laughs> mexican over here Woe to Assyria, the rod of my anger, the staff in whose hands is my indignation. I send it against a godless nation and commission it against the people of my fury to capture booty and to seize plunder. And to trample, that's the NASB. <laughs>
3: <laughs> is Whoa. God a God's a pirate? <laughs> or uh never mind. Hey, we're trying to be hey, serious hey, hey, here, hey, bro. Hey hey, 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 you said it. Come on, hey, hey. A booty.
2: Blasphemy! Come on, bro. Okay, so this is an NASB, okay? This is how the NASB talks. And to trample them down like mud in the streets, yeah, it does not so intend nor does it plan so in it in its heart but rather it is to rather it is it is its purpose to destroy and to cut off many nations for it says are not my princes all kings is not Calno like archimish and hatheth the arpad or samaria like damascus as my hand has rejected to the kingdoms of the idols whose graven images were greater than those of jerusalem and samaria shall i not do to jerusalem and her images just as i have done to samaria and her idols so then it would be it will be that when the lord has completed all his work now check this out when the Lord has completed all his work on Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the fruits of the arrogant hearts of the king of Assyria and the pomp of his haughtiness. So check out what's going down right here. He calls the Assyrians the rod of my anger. These are the people that I'm going to use as an instrument of my wrath to take over this nation and then i will punish the fruit of the arrogant heart of the king of syria for doing it If you want to talk about divine sovereignty or divine control this is how god works he will use whatever he pleases to exercise his judgments and at the same time he will punish evildoers And God is free to do so. One of the questions that we asked on Instagram was, does God have free will? And I think that only God has free will. Because man's free will is enslaved to his sinful nature. So man cannot make a free will decision because it is enslaved to sin. So any decision that man makes is going to be bent
3: towards sin. Our wills are in line with our heart where our heart is inclined towards, um, that's going to determine your will. Like how you said, mm-hmm. God's the only supreme being whose will is, in, like how I mentioned earlier, there's no external influences. Uh-huh. Meaning his will, his free will, is that that he's able to exercise and demonstrate his power with no other influence. He's able to, um, out of his own will, do as He pleases, and and we could read that in Psalms 115 Yeah, it says that our God, our Lord, He does as He pleases. And then later in Isaiah 46, it says that He will accomplish all. Well, this is God speaking, saying that I will accomplish all my good pleasure. All the things that that circle back to God's glory, He will do. And and that's one of the things that's that's eye opening when we continue to read the scriptures we'll see that we are no longer the center of God's universe Mm. Mm -mm
2: -mm.
3: it's it's that thing when we start getting onto theology and then I I would I I try to stray from that word but instead go to being biblical right when we get into things being biblical right studying up on our theology okay yeah okay I used it (laughs) I'm going in circles accept it bro come on I'm not trying to anyways let's continue Proverbs 16.33 But but, but yeah, once we get into the scriptures When we start diving deeply into some of these questions We begin to realize that God Exercises all things To come back to His glory For His glory Even our salvation is for His glory All things that happen is for His glory And so let's talk about man's will then
2: real quick This is not real quick But anyway (laughs) um, So I think a misconception would be that we are portraying God as this controlling, um, unloving God. Like he's just playing with robots. Because I've heard that argument before too.
3: There's also an argument that says... Uh, or there's debates I've seen with Matt Slick and mm-hmm. and um, some atheists where it's called, Is God a Moral Monster? Yeah. Basically that. that mm-hmm. he's, yeah. he's just playing
2: puppets with the world. You know what I mean? Um, in Ephesians chapter 1, I believe, it says he predestined us in love so when we talk about the attributes of god all his attributes work together in unity without contradiction contradicting each other so god's love god's justice god's sovereignty god's grace god's mercy all work together in love because god is by nature loving god is by nature these things and his uh attributes work together And it's not um, contradicting. So when we talk about the sovereignty of God, it doesn't contradict his mercy. It doesn't contradict his grace. It doesn't contradict his love or his justice or his justice. He executes justice and he has compassion. He has mercy on sinners. That's what I think. That's what makes uh, God such a, a glorious and almighty being a God that we can actually love a God that we can actually come to and repent and be comforted by. Because of his divine attributes And and it's a misconception to think that uh, God is Just controlling, playing with puppets And that's not the God of the Bible because the God of the Bible Is all love
1: I think with that um, I would encourage those Who are listening To go through the Psalms And even highlight Proverbs and highlight everything about how it says how the word of god says who god is you're gonna find out that god is righteous god is just god is a uh, slow to anger god is love uh, god is patient god is vengeful god is um, a jealous god you're gonna find all of these things but all of these attributes are working together in harmony with one another and so i would encourage you to go through the psalms and go through the powers and find out who god is and that will uh that will free you up more in in regards to you thinking that maybe god's just playing playing puppets with people uh you you gotta know how how god works even in his sovereignty Mm -hmm. that it's because god sits on the throne that's why he has that right to be to do whatever he wants with his creation he he created the heavens and the earth. He sits on the throne. Whatever he does, we can trust him and we can glorify him. We can worship him because the songs too. let I mean, I know that some of the Psalms get, get, get deep about, you know, Oh God, where are you? And, and this and that, but throughout all the Psalms, you're going to find out that everybody's who, who's writing the Psalms, David and all of them, they're worshiping God at the end for his, his goodness, for his, his justice, for, uh, for his glory,
3: yeah. I think one of the things to it, uh, David even highlights in the Psalms is that he understands that it is God who leads him to, uh, as he as he mentions in, in in that image of of being a sheep to the shepherd, that it is God who is leading him to to, to green pastures. It is God that is saving him and keeping him. He is the good shepherd, and, and you know that goes on to Jesus when he claims him or says that he is the good shepherd. But even more than that, we, we come to that knowledge of knowing that God exercises such things sovereignly, but ultimately it is for the good. Yeah. And that's where the conclusion of the New Testament writers come to, too. consider it all joy that you fall into various trials mm. or even um, like how we mentioned in Ephesians in chapter two. It says, "But God, rich in mercy, mm, 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 mm. right that that he that he would save dead people, yeah. people dead in their sins." Yeah, and I um
2: I don't know of any uh, reformed person or, or Calvinist at that that would deny that man does have a free will to a certain extent, a responsibility, a responsibility, and I would I would use free will too. Yeah. I would I would say that people choose according to their sinful desire. That's the thing. Um, I got up in the morning. I put on the clothes that I wanted to put on. I stopped by, you know, wherever to get breakfast. Um, I made those decisions to to uh, to do all those things. But the question is, when it comes to salvation, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have, we, we can, we can, we do things out of our own thoughts, our own minds, that have uh, real consequences. But we're, when we get into the second portion of this discussion, when it comes to salvation, as far as Romans chapter God, three, yeah. as far as choosing God, Romans chapter three says, no one seeks after God. Man left to himself, to his own sinful will. Will not come to God So it's by grace and by mercy That he would draw some to himself That he would I would even say that he would draw many to himself That he would save them And it's by God's grace That he doesn't send all of us to hell Because look at what Nebuchadnezzar Yes Nebuchadnezzar says uh, After his crazy trip In the jungle like a wild man He comes back to his senses In Daniel chapter 4, verse 35 says, All the inhabitants of the earth are accounted as nothing, nothing, but he does, talking about God, but he does according to his will in the most, in the host of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth. And no one, no one can ward off his hand or say to him, what have you done? Now this, That's a deep statement right there It says God does according To his will What he wants to do According to his good pleasure In heaven and on earth And the inhabitants of earth He does whatever he pleases And no one can say to him What have you done It almost sounds like like, like Romans chapter 9 Where he says Is there any injustice with God And then he goes Who are you O man to say to, to reply against God like who who are you human to say God you're unfair God you should save everybody because I have more love than you God I desire that every single person in the world be saved and God doesn't then you, the God that you preach is not the God of the Bible that's how usually the conversations go Yeah, but you got to you, that's why it's important to study these kinds of uh, uh, texts. Now, God does everything according to his good pleasure. And no one can raise his hand and say, God will have you done. Yep.
3: And I think circling back to that, how how every time it mentions what God does is it always will circle back to his pleasure and to his glory and to his will. Yes. Ultimately, God has a free will that we do not have. Mm-hmm. But we could trust and continue to place our faith in him because he will not do things outside of his character. God will not do things outside of who God is, if that makes sense. Yeah. Exactly. Just like us. And and that will go into and that's leading into the next episode as well. We as sinful people will not exercise will outside of our nature, outside of who we are. So sinful man, like how you mentioned, left to themselves will not choose God mm-hmm. because our nature is sin. But the regenerated man, the man who mm. has um, been breathed new life in the born again man who now has the a Holy new Spirit heart. and a new spirit mm-hmm. inclined towards God. Their nature has changed to an extent to where now they can choose God because now they have been given a new hearts mm, mm, and, and, and that's where basically the wills go the wills align to the heart where the heart is, God knows where they're at and, and, and you know that, that moves even forward to um, where uh, let me see, where is it at I believe it was in, oh yeah, so like how we mentioned about dead men in Ephesians, how it says that while we were dead in trespasses One of the things I was mentioning to my son earlier today was I mentioned to him about Lazarus. If you know the story about Lazarus, Jesus raised him back from the dead. And I asked him, I said, what, what part did Lazarus have to play in, in him being, I guess in a way born again, but coming back to life? The answer is he had no part. His Mm -hmm. only part was to be dead. (laughs) That's the only thing that he had to play Jesus exercised full authority over the dead in that he, by his words, spoke Lazarus to come back to life. And then we see that back in Ezekiel of, of the dry bones, the valley of dry bones and how he was able to raise the dead to life, right? And, and, and even moving forward, as, as we, you know, think more about these things, about his sovereignty, how much is God in control, to the extent where he's able to raise dead men through, you know, various trials that we, it's still a mystery to us. Even to Paul, he mentions the mysteries of God. But yet they are so beautiful because from our perspective, we see them as beautiful in the sense that we see the good that comes from it, from the things that have been ordained by God.
2: So that would kind of go to the question of, well... Did God know that Adam and Eve were going to sin? Or did He ordain Adam and Eve to sin? And then and that would go to Is God the author or the creator of sin then? These are pretty tough questions and these are pretty yeah. good questions. And man. that's
3: another episode we're going to go into too. <laughs> oh, that's right. that's,
2: no, but I would say God is not the author of sin. Obviously, I don't think any Christian would come to that conclusion. No. But I would say that he allowed sin to enter this world for this reason where sin abounds grace abounds even more in order to demonstrate his divine attributes of mercy and of grace what needs to be involved Mm -hmm. the breaking of the law mercy is not cannot be demanded it is not something that a criminal can stand before the judge and say judge You owe me mercy Then it wouldn't be mercy Because mercy is Not getting What you deserve And in order for God to demonstrate His divine attributes of mercy And of grace There had to be And
3: justice No, there had to be uh, The breaking of the law Yeah, to to Demonstrate justice as well To to demonstrate justice
2: Yeah No, yeah, that's a good one, actually, yeah
3: Because how we were speaking
2: earlier um, It is by God's grace and mercy That He doesn't allow Everybody That has been affected by The fall, that's everybody in the world To go to hell By His grace and His mercy and His love He saves People He saves some To be elect and be in heaven With Him in eternity Now now that would, then that we'll go to the next question. Does God predestine people to go to hell? And what we we're talking about? It's not that he predestines people to go to hell. It's that he's by his grace and mercy, he saves people. He saves an elect, a group of an elect to, to be saved and be regenerated and to be in eternity forever. And the rest, he gives them justice. He gives them what their evil heart desires. So there is no injustice with God It's not that he's being unfair or unloving It is right and and it it is correct To execute his divine justice on lawbreakers No one would say that it is wrong to, to, to punish a criminal For the breaking of the law And we're all lawbreakers Now it is by his grace and his mercy that he saves and he is free to do so as Romans 9 we're going to continue Romans 9 is a is a deep portion he says do i not have does the potter have not the right over the clay to make one vessel from the same lump one vessel for glory and another vessel prepared for destruction is then is that not his right as creator as god to save whom he wants to save and the rest give them justice
3: and i think for those who 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 would try to well i mean i mean before recording this episode we're we're briefly just going over a lot of these things and, and one of the things i pointed out when we go over god's sovereignty i i think one of the biggest hurdles that we come to in in learning about god's sovereignty and and just how much god is in control we start learning about predestination election for his for ordinances his ordinance all these things right but i think one of the hurdles that that really just i i guess stumbles us from moving forward unless we're able to hurdle over it is is our family because why we begin to think about our family when we think about these things we think about our family we think about our loved ones um, those closest to us, and we get in that mindset. Well, is this person saved? Is this person not saved? Is this person ever gonna come to salvation, or are they gonna continually reject the gospel? But one of the freeing things is understanding that His word doesn't come back void. Mm. And I say that's freeing because what do we understand from the New Testament? We understand that faith comes by what? Hearing the word of God, hearing the gospel preached. So if we understand that, and we understand that his word doesn't come back void, then that should only encourage and compel us to go forward and preach the gospel, even to our families, knowing that his word will not come back void. Even if we may mess up, we trip up, even if we only say the verses, right? And they don't understand it. We will know that it won't come back void. And then we also know that faith will come by hearing the word of God. So as long as we're preaching the word of God, With that type of understanding and then also too knowing in the background that when God begins a work, he will see to it to completion. So knowing and and just and and that plays a part of trust. So as we preach the word, knowing these things, but then also knowing in the back of our mind that even if I don't see this person come to salvation, I could trust that if God truly began a work in this person by me preaching the gospel to them, that he will see to completion. And that sh- that should free us of a burden of trying to see to it everyone around us be quote unquote saved, right? And and I think that's something that points out in um in the in in the Pilgrim's Progress. One mm-hmm. of the last things in that movie is that his hurdle is is his family right before he gets into heaven, whether to leave them behind and move forward, but to move forward is to trust God that He will do His His He will exercise His will. Even through programs death And that's something that we need to Come to, come to uh, At least be content with Yeah, You know Whether we may see our family all Come to salvation while we're alive Or even on our deathbed While they're at our funeral That they would be preached the word of God And that maybe that would Push them forward into a saving faith By seeing our lives Demonstrating the faith That we believed yeah, and it's
2: This assurance, knowing that God Will save people That is a fact That God, through the means of the preaching of his gospel He will Save people And so, like Romans 1.16 says it's a, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation If we truly believe that and then we need to truly preach the gospel because the only assurance that we have in confidence is knowing that God is sovereign and he will save people through the preaching of his gospel.
3: So that is our assurance, knowing that God will save people. And that's why Jesus goes on to give us the, the greatest commission to go preach the gospel go to, to all, all nations, people. to the ends of the earth, so mm-hmm. that every person will have that opportunity to hear the gospel. And then even then, we hear in the New Testament, in the Gospels, I believe, where it says that God desires that none shall perish. That is a desire, but it is not in his will because he understands. God already knows mm. that not all people will be saved. There will be those who will reject. And, and you know, we'll get more into that mm-hmm. as far as the wills. And, and- remember, God does not take
2: pleasure in the death of the wicked. So it's not in his character to be like, zap, ha ha ha! You, I purposely predestined you to go to hell. Nah, I believe that God does grieve over the death of wicked people. I believe so. His his character, his nature is love, and he doesn't the wicked man to perish. Man, I mean, we as believers we wouldn't wish on anybody either. But God is just also. Remember, this is when the justice of God comes. It is right for him to do so. But it works with his love together. And um, yeah, dude. Um. I was going to say just to throw a
1: curveball. Or Just to <laughs> see if you can uh, explain this. Because there are some portions of scripture where it says God laughs at the wicked yeah. from his throne. Because he sees what they do. And he laughs at them because they don't know his plans. So what would you say to... Because to, you say that like, it's not like God's sitting up there, but then scriptures do say that he laughs at the wicked.
2: Okay, so this that's portion... A- <laughs> no, no, look, listen, listen. Oh, that's, like, I said, like I said, the curveball. <laughs> okay, listen, no, listen. There are people like... Let's turn to that real quick. Because it's something that we got to read. Psalm chapter 2. Let's go. Why are the nations in uproar and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointing, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs, the Lord scoffs at them. This isn't talking about all wicked people. This is talking about the kings specifically that are uh, forming a plan against the Lord. So, like I said, wicked men, men out of their own wickedness will do things that are purposely against God. And to those people, yeah, he would laugh at them.
3: I would even add that's not pointing to their damnation. It is Mm -hmm. more so their plans against his plans. Yeah. Not their um, their death and judgment, and then I would even add to um, uh, where is it? I believe it's in Revelations. how it goes? How it goes on to say that even we, the believers in the new glorified bodies in the new heaven and new earth, that we will then praise God for His judgment. Mm-hmm. In the condemnation of wicked people Exactly, exactly We'll be nice singing hallelujah, mm-hmm.
2: praise mm-hmm. That's what it says in Revelation And just, it's just like Nebuchadnezzar He was boasting in his in his own achievements And saying man, what are the places like Babylon You know, He was boasting in himself And what did God do? He struck him crazy He chopped down it- that tree <laughs> a child, down the tree. Send him into into the wild, and he and he was a wild man, you know, for I think like seven years out there. That's how God works. At the at the at people who purposely shake the fist at, at God, and God has something to say about that. But I don't know if that answers your question. No, yeah, no, yeah. Because <laughs> there are scriptures. We're gonna deal yeah. with those scriptures too, man. Because there, there, Scriptures that we're like, whoa, there's a scripture that contradicts your point of view and this and that and that. I would say that no scriptures contradict it, and they all work in harmony together. Okay, mm-hmm. so let's talk about Romans nine real quick then.
3: Well, I was gonna say uh, what some of the questions that people asked. Alright we can do that Upon this Yeah so Okay so there was Somebody that mentioned Romans 9 um, Another thing is uh, Where is it um, One of the things Someone pointed out is As far as with sovereignty Do you believe We choose our spouses <laughs> Or God Chose them for us um, Who asked that one I don't know <laughs> hey, I wanna hear
2: this <laughs> No. <laughs> Mark chapter ten, what God What God has brought together, let no man separate. It will go along with the, the same story of Joseph, man. Yeah, you fell in love with this person and you wanted to be with this person, but at the same time, it was God's ordained plan for you to be with this person. Mm. That's what I would say. Cause what God has brought together, what God has brought together, let no man separate.
3: Yeah. I wonder
2: why you wanted to answer that question. Well,
3: because I it had to it, had it go in line with <laughs> what we were talking about. And, and disclaimer, that was my wife that asked that. <laughs> That's why I'm laughing. <laughs> and then another brother asked, uh, what do you say to Armenian Armenians that say Romans 9 is addressing Israel versus other nations? And how you said you're going to go over Romans. We're going to go over Romans 9 right now. OK, so
2: I encourage everybody to read Romans 9. Because it is a deeply, deeply prof- profound text, deeply profound. I would say off the bat that in Revelation um, 13, I believe, it says that there's going to be people from all tongues and all nations, from every every part of the world, worshiping God. So Romans 9 is about a nation then that would contradict Revelations 13, because look what Romans 9 says. I am telling you the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart, for I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh who are Israelites to whom belong the adoption as sons the glory and the covenants and the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh whom is over all God bless forever amen but it is not as though the word of the Lord has failed for they are not all israel who are descended from israel nor are they all children because they are abraham's descendants but through isaac your descendants will be named that is it is not the children of the flesh who are, who are the children of god but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants for this is the word of promise at this time i will come and sarah shall have a son And not only this, but there was Rebecca also, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac. For though the twins were not yet born, and had had not yet done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I have loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? Is there no injustice with God? Is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. So then it does not depend on the man who wills, it does not depend on the man who wills, or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy for the scripture says to pharaoh for this very purpose i raised you up to demonstrate my power in you and that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth so then he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he desires you will say to me then why does he still find fault for who resists his will on the contrary who are you O man who answers back to god the thing molded will not say to the molder, "Why did you make me like this?" Will it? Or does not the potter have right over the clay, to make from the same lump one vessel for the same, for for honorable use and the other for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate His wrath and to make His power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath, prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessels of mercy, which he prepared beforehand for glory, even us whom he also called, not from among Jews only, but also from among the Gentiles. As he says also in Hosea, "Well, I will call those who were not my people, my people, and her who was not beloved, beloved. And it shall be that in the same place where it was said to, to them, You are not my people. There they shall be called sons of the living God.
3: Mm -mm -mm. Mm -mm -mm. Isaiah cries out Mm -mm -mm. concerning Israel.
2: Though the number of the sons of Israel be like the sand of the sea, it is the remnant that will be saved. For the Lord will execute his word on the earth thoroughly and quickly. And just as Isaiah foretold, unless the the Lord of Sabaoth, had left to us a posterity, we would have become like Sodom and would have resembled Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That Gentiles did not pursue righteousness, who did not pursue righteousness, attained righteousness, even the righteousness which is by faith. But Israel, pursuing a law of righteousness, did not arrive at that law. Why? Because they did not pursue it by faith. But as though it were by works, they stumbled over the stumbling stone, just as it is written. Behold, I lay in Zion, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. And he who believes in him will not be disappointed. That is some heavy, heavy stuff. Right there is kind of like the summation of all what we've been talking about. God exercising authority and sovereignty on man choosing whom he wills to save and hardening whom he wants to harden making vessels of honor making vessels of wrath electing Jacob over Esau demonstrating his free will power and man will say uh, is there no injustice with God and the reply we get who are you oh man to answer back to god
3: i think that's one of the things that we uh, if we go through the book of Job, we begin to see that dialogue played out yeah is there any injustice and then we see that played out as as Job brings his charges in a way um very uh I, okay well he brings his Kinda, charges yeah. nonetheless to god and god answers him basically saying like who are you are you in control of these that go on and Okay. And, and just and and god just gives a glimpse of what he is really in control of all the things that happen every every wind blown and 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 how the animals um move around and things like that he's fully exercising his control over all things not just people but all things entirely even um yeah even climate he's in control of um uh, and, and so that brings us to, to his sovereignty, which is basically that even through evil or, or or wicked people, he's still able to exercise his rule to bring about his good.
2: Yeah. Yeah, man. And there's so many things, dude, that I feel like we did not even touch on, dude. Because this, yeah, this whole topic and God's sovereignty there's still so many more questions to ask so many answers to be given and I just I just uh, feel like Paul in Romans 11 he says all oh the i I'll just read it because I'm not I'm not good at quoting All oh the death of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God how unsearchable unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways that's the conclusion that I come to. Like all the depths of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Yeah, I was going to say, this is just the surface. Now time
1: to
3: dig in. <laughs>
1: now time to actually start digging in because there's a lot to a sovereignty.
3: Right now we've been tasting the whipped cream. Now we can start eating the sundae. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> For
2: like, real. Like I said in the beginning, this is, this is this is the backbone of everything we've been talking about lately. Like this is what holds everything together. What what holds the gospel together? And this is important even to the gospel to understand the sovereignty of God. Why? Because the father elects, the father chooses, the son pays for them, and the Holy Spirit regenerates them. That's It's the triune God working inside of the gospel in sovereignty.
3: Yeah. One thing I want to point out, Sprawl, R.C. Sprawl says is, if we reject divine sovereignty then we must embrace atheism (laughs) because if we reject divine sovereignty that god has then we are basically putting a faith into a god who is not supremely god yeah somebody who can be rivaled somebody who can be overthrown in which case he would not be the god that we believe he won't be the god of the bible then we must embrace atheism because then there would be no God to, to hold a type of faith or trust in for our salvation. Yeah. So I think that's very important to really look into sovereignty.
2: And to answer that question, Romans 9, no, Romans 9 is not about a nation or it's not about Israel. It's about God exercising his free will and decree to bring out his plans and his purposes on the inhabitants or the people. Of the earth. That's what it's about.
1: And I think that knowing that God is sovereign, that he sits on the throne, that everything doesn't happen without him knowing. I think that should bring comfort to anybody who's listening right now, especially if you're going through a tough time right now. Yeah. That God sits on the throne no matter what's going on and that he is in control of everything, even in control of the day when we die. He is in control of everything. And I think that should give you A comfort A hope And a putting in trust on the one who knows more Than we do Amen Even
3: Amen. when we fall into various trials We would be then encouraged to find it Joy Find joy yeah. um, I, Last thing I do want to read um, Is from Chosen by God By R.C. Um, It says We know that God is sovereign Because we know that God is God Therefore, we must conclude that God foreordained sin. What else can we conclude? We must um, conclude that, God, that God's decision to allow sin to enter the world was a good decision. This is not to say that our sin is really a good thing, but merely that God's allowing us to do sin, which is evil, is a good thing. God's allowing evil is good, but the evil he allows is still evil. God's involvement in all this is perfectly righteous. Our involvement in it is wicked. The fact that God decided to allow us to sin does not absolve us from our responsibility for sin. And that brings it back to the point of how you mentioned that through the fall of man, he is able to demonstrate all his attributes to um all of the universe to all creation he's able to demonstrate that his justice his mercy his, his righteousness love, his love all his these glory, things his glory everything yeah. um, and, and really he, he doesn't um, I, I guess one of the things that, that we see in the end is that he takes pleasure in the death of his son why? because that was the point in time when he made a way To bring back his people To himself To exercise his love Through the death of his son Who willingly went now, And, and that's, a, that's a whole other thing too The How Jesus willingly went To the cross In ob- t- total obedience To the father's will cool, he, yeah. even, even the son Did not exercise A will outside of his father How much more are we, the creation, going to want to try to exercise a will outside of God, even though we can't? But why would we mm. want to when God's will is perfect?
2: Mm. That's a good one. That's a good one. Well, even Peter would say uh, in chapter Acts chapter 2, 23, it says, You who crucified him according to the predetermined plan of God. Man is still guilty for crucifying the Son of
3: God. But yeah, it was always God's predetermined plan for that to happen Even the most famous verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. <laughs> Right? The plans I have for the you plans to prosper I have for you <laughs> and, and, and keep in mind the context of that too The Babylonians have just taken captive the nation of Israel So they're in exile during this time And he is, through Jeremiah the prophet, telling his people that his plans are to prosper them Even during exile. It's like, how how can you not um, see that and see that God is still in control, even when bad things, quote unquote, happen to his people? Why? Because that was a part of his plan. Yeah. A part of the plan to prosper his people through exile. I mean, I I mean, we could continue to go on through. I mean, you see it all through Old Testament, how God continues to, to exercise his authority even through um, other armies, the Chaldeans, all, all these other people that come against God's people and how it was still part of God's um, perfect will for his people. Yeah, and he ordained Cyrus to
2: free Israel. And that's what King Cyrus did. Mm-hmm. He freed Israel and took them back to their own land. Now, could have Cyrus um, changed his mind? No, he couldn't have. That's was God's predetermined plan. To end with this, Proverbs 1633 says, the law is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord we can roll the dice and it's gonna land where god has preordained it so if you lost that board game it was
3: because god had planned for you to lose if you went to the casino don't say your brother cheated and even if they cheated it was god's plan for them to cheat no
2: (laughs) No, yeah man hey i want to hear from you guys man now I want to hear uh, what you guys thought about this episode, what we could have gotten more in depth. Remember, this is is not the end of this conversation. We're going to continue. Next up is predestination and election. We're going to deal with salvation, God's sovereignty in salvation, how he brings people to himself and he doesn't bring all people to himself. Is
3: God in control of our faith? (laughs) Is God in control
2: of our faith, our salvation, how far? Remember, the question that we're asking is, to what length is God in control?
3: Yeah. And I think we're going to continue to go through that question as we go through each and every one of these subtopics under sovereignty. sovereignty. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, yeah. So. Also in our next episode, get ready because we're gonna have a special guest. I'm not gonna mm-hmm. say it yet. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. gonna be a surprise.
2: Yeah, man. I'm excited for the next episode. Even I was actually. surprised, I was like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. We, we made it big time already. <laughs> just just call us an official podcast. You know, we're uh, legitimate, eh? <laughs> <laughs> All right, gracias for tuning in Gracias for enduring with us this long Uh, We went a little long this time But hey, the topic demands for us To go a little bit deeper And we didn't even, man May God have mercy on our souls That's what I said, man Because I feel like we missed out on so many things man. When it comes to the sovereignty of God It's like an iceberg, man The tip of the iceberg And then underneath is this whole deep glacier underneath And I feel like we just barely skimmed the surface
1: I was gonna say, well, isn't it for ordained that we went this long?
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. next time. Hey, next time. Next time, I get into. I'm. A, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. If I'm late to work next time, I'm like, hey, I got here exactly at the time that God wanted me to be here. And then your boss is gonna say <laughs> it was still your responsibility. <laughs> Oh man. So gracias for tuning in. This is Reformed Rasa. We want to hear from you your thoughts on this episode. What we could what we did what we didn't go through, what we could have gone through, what we did, whatever, whatever it is. You want to rebuke us, rebuke us. You wanna you wanna you know give us props, give us props, whatever. As long as you go away thinking uh about this topic and just searching the scriptures to see whether this is true. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> if you were edified praise the lord if you just got angry praise the lord whatever it is that you're feeling from this episode praise the lord and so this is reformed raza we are out of here bye later check the
0: sits in the heavens and laughs and does whatever he pleases. Who governs the governments and establishes kings. The prince of peace who proceeds over prophets, presidents, and priests. Who guides the plans of man but lets that man choose freely. While simultaneously exercising divine sovereignty. Who intervenes on the will of man and causes for man to believe. Who appeases the wrath of God that brings peace to his enemies. The lord over lords and the king over all earthly kings. The pervasive power of God displayed through his mighty deeds. The God of our destiny, the author and finisher of faith With the power to persuade man and sway souls for God's sake The ultimate source of authority who rules with mercy and grace But man reduces this attribute to foolish debate And breath. The author of life and death, the often overlooked, but still he's all seeing, all knowing, holding all creation in its place. The God of wrath and grace, the one who can crush every idle man would rather chase and leads men to the narrow gate. Through these crooked paths we navigate. This world exists cause you commanded it. So is your hand in it, or have you handed it? Over the man, then turned away and abandoned it. Did you try your best and then left man to handle the rest? Will your plans find success or should we second guess? When world Saw deceivers eager to puff their chests. Is life a game of chess? Do you have these kings in check? With so much evil, how can we believe you're good? But I finally understood when I saw that man nailed to wood.